Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network. We are we're rounding the corner on on season three of Breaking Bad. This is uh, season three, episode nine, Kafka esque. Um, first on screens on May the sixteenth, twenty ten. Uh, directed by Michael Slovis, uh, written by Peter Gould and George Mastras. Um, yeah, uh, uh, some some interesting stuff to to mull over in this episode. So looking forward to to talking through it. My name's Nick, and free license to bitch and moan. How often do you get that? And my name is Ben, and you had me at cheese sticks. <laughs> oh yeah, well I mean, who, who isn't who isn't up for cheese sticks, really? Well, everyone should be up for cheese sticks. If you don't like cheese sticks, and stop listening to this show. I'm saying that right now. We don't want you. We don't want you listening right now. Go away. Well, um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a funny old episode, this one, because um, I think we talked at the start of season three. This is one that kind of just, you know, s- slow start and then kind of builds and builds and builds. And I kind of think I have to take that back because we had like this amazing episode a couple of weeks back with the whole uh, Hank and, and, and the cousins shootout. And now it feels like we've just slowed down again um that doesn't necessarily mean bad it just uh is, is not quite what i remembered from my previous watchings of, of breaking bad that we do kind of take a bit of a, a step backwards and and um, that's probably going to continue next week when we get there as well but but yeah <laughs> oh it's God. um it's it, yeah really interesting to kind of um to kind of my memory had had deceived me that um yeah a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a slower paced episode this one but still some interesting stuff to talk about i think yeah, I think as I keep repeating myself every single week, I've obviously watched ahead and I've come back to watching these. And I think, um, you know, particularly the earlier episodes of this season that were maybe a bit slower, it helped to talk them out and kind of watch them and take notes. But, yeah, I, I was struggling with this one. Um, and you're right, like, even I kind of, having just recently watched these, forgot about these ones. Like, this this one's a struggle and we're not even to next week yet. Um, again, as you said, it's not a bad episode. There's still plenty of good stuff in this episode. But yeah, I, I'm already thinking right now. I, I'm dreading getting to our series recap because I know season three is highly regarded, but I'm really struggling to think how I'm going to rank this season. I might be pulling some controversial opinions at the end of this yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been having. I mean, at the time we're recording this, I've kind of gone through and watched the end of season three, and um, it, it, that is going to be a fascinating conversation when we get to the end of the season because um, high highs and low lows. I think oh, I yeah. probably the way I would put it. But um, yeah, I mean the. the this episode specifically, I mean, um, you know, we talked about um, just off air before we started about the, the kind of weird um, title for this episode. And um, so, so Kafka-esque is, um, is referring to um, Franz Kafka, who's, uh, I think, Spanish? Uh, Prague, sorry. Uh, um, 
born in Prague. Anyway, he's a Czech Republic. A, a, you know, Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah. So he's um, um, a, a very famous author. Um, and the, the term Kafkaesque is I'm reading straight from the Wikipedia page here, but is you know used to describe um, concepts and situations reminiscent of his work. Um, where, you know, include instances where bureaucracies overpower people, often a surreal, nightmarish milieu, which invokes ne- 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 feelings. Stop, of... stop! 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 I'm not smart enough. I don't know what you're saying. Okay. Are you speaking okay. English? Like, <laughs> <laughs> speak to well, the I listeners. Think... They don't like cheese sticks. You got Ben Waterworth on here. I right. don't know how to read. <laughs> so, but but the, but the one thing I was building to is that um, he wrote a quite a famous book, which even I've heard of, um, which was called Metamorphosis, which I don't know if you know much about, but basically it's about a guy who wakes up one day and he's turned into a beetle. Um, was it but... Metamorphosis a Miley Cyrus album? Probably. Um... Probably. I remember those. I remember those books from when I was a kid. Where like I think they were called like Metamorphosis or something, and it was like people changing into bugs on the on the title page. I don't know if you remember. Oh them. yeah, um, yeah. That was um animorphs. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 But Metamorphosis tells a story of a salesman who wakes up one morning to find himself inextricably transformed into a huge insect and has to struggle to adjust to this new condition. And I think kind of that idea that, um, you know, that we, Metamorphosis is obviously, and, and change is obviously a massive part of Breaking Bad. So that does make sense um, in a sense. So it's um, a, a, an interesting title. We like to never forget about the title of these episodes, but uh, yeah, sorry for using too many big words. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I just actually had to Google the fact it's not a Miley Cyrus album, it's a Hilary Duff album. So, uh, sorry to get them confused. <laughs> Teen Disney stars, how could I, how could I get them wrong? So, I love, I love how you're there and you're going on this, like, this is very important. It's, you know, philosophical and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, I remember that album from <laughs> Hilary Duff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Album. Oh, I mean, I, I, I think, I think it's nice to kind of have these things that you can dig into, and I think, like you've talked about on on your uh, your twenty four rewatch, that the titles make it quite hard to separate them out because it's just your kind of timestamps. Or at least we've got some interesting titles that can help us differentiate these episodes when maybe the the stuff happening in them. It's like, what episode did that happen? And at least you can kind of go back and think, oh yeah, that Kafka esque episode, I kind of remember a little bit because of the title. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. And, like, I, I, I do like how every single episode has a meaning to it, like the title. Like, it's clever. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, I, I just think of Kafkaesque as the line that Jesse says in this episode. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's totally Kafkaesque. Like, that's me. Um, so. Yeah, well, that's, that's great. And and I guess if we're going to talk about um, change and, and, you know, and, and things maybe not appearing what they're seeing, well, we can kind of kick off the episode with this cold open, which I absolutely love. I think it's a great kind of way to start the episode, which is, um, you know, this kind of ad for Los Polos Hermanos, which, you know, like when you first turn on, you're like, have I, are we still in TV ads here or are we actually into the, the TV show itself properly? And so obviously it's this kind of piss take ad, but it, it really kind of, you know, like everyone's seen an ad like this, right? So so it does feel like it kind of it works and and you know it's got these these images i guess of kind of like the you know the the vegetables being chopped up and the sauce being applied to the chicken and then that kind of transforms into you know like i think it's like a wall of these pieces of chicken kind of falling and then you know transforms into the blue meth kind of falling and um from there like we've still got this you know the the 
the kind of voiceover, but we're starting to see the process of this these drugs kind of being smuggled, which I love to be honest. Like I, I, this kind of stuff, I really really enjoy kind of seeing the process behind it. So obviously we're seeing this group of people who are bagging up the blue meth, and then you know it's been smuggled into um, into big buckets full of the batter that they're going to fry the chicken in, and then they're stamped with a special ultraviolet stamp that can only be seen with the violet light, and you know then then kind of you know trucked off while kind of gas watches on and i just love it i think it's just it's really really cool to kind of see um this whole process playing out and um you know all the while it's just been reminded that it's it's all part of a legitimate front that gus is running so i think it's a it's a nice way to kind of start the episode yeah i completely agree with you i mean this almost i might say is the best part of the episode i i love it too and i love I always love in kind of movies and TV when they go out of their way to make a realistic looking like commercial or something like that to make it real. And like, yeah, this is a realistic ad. And I just love the way they kind of, you know, talk about it and the spices and everything. It really makes me want chicken. Like I really want to (laughs) try this. Um, But yeah, and just the transition where you've got the chicken into the blue crystals is really clever. And you're right. Like I'm with you. I really love kind of seeing this element where it's, you know, kind of the behind the scenes aspect of how Gus does this. I mean, just goes to show how amazing Gus is that he's worked up this incredible empire to the lengths that he's basically sending it off in fry batter, uh, which no one's going to check it. Um, and just kind of, you know, you know, we're, we're going to get a pretty prominent um, Darth Vader reference in this episode. It's, it's almost kind of like at the end of Revenge of the Sith when they're, you know, Darth Vader standing next to um, the Emperor and they're kind of looking over the Death Star being built. Like, it's just kind of his his empire, essentially. So, um, yeah, it's clever. And it's just, it's just something so quick and so simple that we see how they do it. But, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I like to see this process because it's clever. It's so clever to think that this is happening. It makes me wonder if I ever went to New Mexico, if I'm going to, like, McDonald's or KFC, like, what's going on in those rooms behind the behind the doors? Yeah, you shouldn't spoil Star Wars like that for people. They might not have seen oh, it. Oh, sorry. Next, sorry, next, everyone. Next, next you're going to tell us that uh, Danny won Guatemala, but don't. Oh, shit, Nick. Uh, <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't win winners at war. So. No, that's true. But um, <laughs> like, as always, I try my best to kind of watch the commentaries for this episode, and I don't remember there being a lot that stood out of you know, that I took notes of that was of interest for this, but I did love they talked about how they had to buy so many buckets of chicken to kind of make that scene, you know, like to actually have enough to make it convincing. They just had to buy like buckets and buckets of fried chicken. So some, somebody ate well after this for a little while, although they probably were cold by the time they got to them. Yeah, which, I mean, is that, oh, fried chicken's kind of, it's not like pizza, right, where you can kind of eat it cold. Like it's kind yeah. of one of these, it's, it's hit or miss. You know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's a scale of cold foods like pizza, good, fries, bad. Like mm. fried chicken's kind of in the middle somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I remember like as a kid, like leftover KFC, like, but it was like you have to heat it in the oven, like, don't heat it in the microwave. So yeah. I don't think it really matters because it's cooked at that point, right? But anyway, interesting. Okay. Anyway, speaking of cooking, let's get into the lab and um, we've got uh, Walt and Jesse kind of doing a cook and, and um, you see kind of Jesse's um, doing the weigh-in and kind of reading out and, and they've, you know, they've, they're doing up these tubs of 200 um, pounds basically and this one's come up at like, what is it, 201.6 or something. So you've got, you know, like a one and a half extra pounds that they've cooked and and um, Jesse's kind of like, well, why don't we put that to the side and we'll add it to the next one so we don't have to cook as much next time. We, but basically saying we shouldn't give them any free 
you know, free meth, basically. We should cook, we, you know, we contracted, I guess, to cook two, 200 pounds, so we should cook 200 pounds. And then Walt's of the opinion of, like, nah, we just cook what we make, you know, like it's it, 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 it's goodwill, I guess, you know, that we just do that. And, um, you know, Jesse has kind of, like, worked out that, you know, he's crunched the numbers or whatever and, um, and you know, that Gus is going to make, what is it, 96 million, um, and the cut that they're getting to actually make it is 3 million. And, um, yeah, and, and, and Walt's got this line of, like, you know, you're a millionaire, you should kind of be happy about that. So um, kind of setting up this this kind of little controversy here. Um, we get to see Walt in his tidy whities again. He doesn't grab anything this time, unfortunately. So it's <laughs> it's disappointing, but, you know, he can't have it all, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I think this is just like a little setup scene of, you know, Jesse's Jesse's kind of ticking over in his mind. He's feeling hard done by, and so he's going to start to, um, to, you know, to make some decisions here um, in, in this episode. It's interesting having watched, like I just mentioned to you off air, that at the time of recording this, I'm up to about the sixth episode of season five. And it's kind of, it's actually interesting to watch the parallels of what happens at the beginning of season five in regards to money. Uh, it's kind of the reverse of what we're seeing here, where it's kind of, you know, Walt's not really caring, but it's Jesse's wanting more. And then it's kind of the other way around when it gets to season five. Spoiler alert or not spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting little debate because, I mean, again, as Walt says, you know, like, you're a millionaire now. What are you complaining about? But at the same time, sure, but if I found out my boss is making $96 million while I'm only making one point, like, sure, you can increase, even if you just made it $10 million, like, you're still going to be making a profit of about $70 million, right? So, uh, I mean, it is kind of uh, interesting with that one. But, I mean, I sort of I feel a bit for, uh, as I've said a lot, like Jesse in some of these episodes, although there is some Jesse stuff, I will say, that kind of I do question in this episode as well. But I see why he does it, just jumping ahead. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's our thing of like, well, that's capitalism, right? Like somebody pays you to do something, and you know, like they're going to make the money at the top, type of thing. And yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm a little bit conflicted because yeah, I think Jesse kind of takes some kind of stupid risks here that he doesn't need to take. And I think at this point, he's not really thinking through who he's dealing with too much, whereas Walt's probably got a better idea of what Gus is capable of, maybe. Um, so, yeah, um, but again, that's going to change pretty quickly. But I do love, like, kind of the scene ends, and it's like, you know, Jesse kind of makes that, it's, it's a bit crass, but he's kind of like, you know, what's more important than money? And it immediately transitions to Hank lying in the bed in the hospital, and it's like, you know, <laughs> it's pretty on the nose, but I, I do like it. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of one of those lines where you're kind of like, okay, but um, I, I love this scene. <laughs> I know I'm jumping out here, but I love Hank and Gomi right yeah, now in this yeah. scene. This is one of my well, favourite scenes yeah, of the episodes. It, it is kind of <laughs> weird how, like, Gomez comes in and he's, um, you know, like, Marie's kind of giving him a look of, like, what the fuck are you doing here? I'm not interested in having you here. And, and Gomez just doesn't really read the room, eh? Like, he still comes up to Hank and, like, pulls out this map of like here's where we found this blue meth it's here it's here it's here and so you were right you know like we didn't actually get heisenberg he's still out there and i do love like you can see right in the background you've got kind of walt right you know right in the background as they're talking about yeah we haven't actually caught heisenberg it's, it's quite effective i do really like that you're probably just talking about the start of the scene right where he kind of goes right up to him and is like something about like like farts or something I, I i can't remember like right at the start of the scene when gomi goes up and is like come closer come closer and says something to him i can't remember he, he, he's like he's like come closer come closer and he's like asshole oh, that's right yeah. <laughs> and then he does his little <laughs> like it's so funny like because even though i watched this recently like even i remember what does he say here and it's like just he's like oh i'm struggling like i'm dying he's like 
asshole. And I love Walt Jr. just like, he got you good. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I guess the important part of the scene is obviously that this is where Hank kind of says that he got a phone call like right before he was shot, warning him. And, um, you know, this is obviously where we kind of Walt's ears perk up, right? Because this is um, kind of freaky information for him and he starts to put two and two together. So it's a, it's a good bit of information really for, you know, for, for Walt in terms of what's going to come in the rest of this episode. Yeah, and great facial acting by Brian Cram. He doesn't really say anything, he does he? He's just literally sitting there reacting to kind of everything that's being said. So yeah, um, well, I mean, I I don't know which one it was, but in like one of the kind of commentaries I listened to, they talked about like you know, people just kind of forget how important that that facial reaction is to acting. You know, like, because it's the bit that you don't see. You generally kind of spend more time watching the actor who's delivering the lines in that moment, and mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of forget that there's a secondary person there. Or in a case like this, you've got three or four people in the room who are all reacting and and you know like those reactions may never be seen but they help the actor who's delivering those lines to do a better job um yeah. and and yeah i think this is actually this this show is a really good one for kind of zeroing in on people's reactions like you do spend a lot of time watching people react to things and um, i even think a couple of episodes ago we kind of we talked about it when hank's giving that kind of before he's you know about to go to that hearing um where he's given this kind of really heartfelt kind of um, speech to to Marie, and he's actually out of frame. Like he's out, well, not out of frame, out of focus. And the focus is actually on Marie reacting to what he's saying. And I actually think that's a bit of a um, a bit of a, a trademark, I guess, of Breaking Bad that they often will have the actor who's delivering the lines out of focus, but still in frame, and they'll be focused on somebody else who's actually reacting to um, the lines that have been delivered. So I think they know the power of actually seeing somebody react to words. Which it always makes me wonder, and having never really read many television scripts, but is it scripted so that Brian Cranston knows that the camera is going to be on him, or is this just a case of they're all acting at the same point? So you know, it's like a theatre actor, like you know, you're always going to be acting because you know everyone's watching you, if you know what I mean. So um, it, it makes me wonder if like it's written, you know, like scene Dean Norris says this, but camera focuses on Walt's reaction or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to probably get a script book and, and see how these things kind of come out. And I, I don't know that there is on for Breaking Bad. I've basically got every book, I think, about Breaking Bad. Well, two of them. Um, but <laughs> um, I did see one. I was on I was on uh, Trade Me, which is the New Zealand version of eBay the other day. And there was a there's a book called Baking Bad, which was basically all these these Breaking Bad inspired cook, cooking recipes, <laughs> like how to make blue meth out of candy and stuff. It's like... I, I looked at it and I was like, I need to get off here because I am going to buy this if I'm not careful. So, um, <laughs> buy it. Go on, buy it. I want you to make some recipes. We can have a special recipe episode. And maybe, maybe when like we get to the finale or something like. Does it have lost you know, lost Pomo, lost Hermanos in it? Like the fried chicken? <laughs> well, the front the front cover was kind of like you're yeah, just these these kind of um, like muffins with the blue meth on them. So I don't know what else is in there, but there's probably some good stuff in there. Wow. There, okay. Hopefully there's hopefully there's like, you know, Skylar's homemade breakfast or, you know, like <laughs> something like that. I don't know. There'll be a veggie platter in there too, right? Like, Got to be a veggie platter, yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Uh, seriously, you got to buy that book, Nick. Like, <laughs> can't have been that expensive being on Trade Me. Come on. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, we kind of like, we, we leave the uh, the hospital bed and uh, we get kind of Walt outside and he's kind of in his car and then that's when Skylar kind of comes over and, and Walt's kind of, you know, you can see him kind of um, 
process in the news he's just heard from from hank and um you know kind of skylar gets in the car and, and this is where kind of walt says that he had nothing to do with the shooting and she wants to know if the family's safe and i think this is kind of the first time we start getting into this this area right of like are we safe you know like or are we in danger i don't think we've ever really been down this road before um but it's obviously going to be a pretty important part of the show from here on out yeah, and it's kind of interesting because of, like, Walt's reactions and then, you know, he's obviously trying to say, like, this wasn't him. But then, yeah, Skylar's... Because, again, without going too much into detail, Season 5 was going to be a lot around this kind of whole, like, are we in danger sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And, um, I mean, as much as this episode's a slower episode and it's, you know, not going to rank as one of the greatest episodes of all time, I mean, the acting is always second none. And, and, again, uh, Anna Gunn blows it out of the park like i mean it's kind of interesting when she doesn't have a lot to do how all of a sudden she is quite good with what she has to deal with so it's just a simple scene with her asking like are we in danger and that sort of stuff but yeah she just kind of she nails it extremely yeah. well yeah yeah and uh so then kind of we move into uh the next scene which is kind oh, of goody. jesse jesse and a support group and and um this guy who was kind of at back the, yeah what well, like what is his job exactly because like he was at the retreat or the you know whatever the um whatever it was rehab i guess and now he's like this narcotics anonymous group leader as well um oh he's just like evil steve jobs like that's all i just <laughs> want to call him like he just look he just looks like a slightly kind of yeah evil version you leave jer burns alone he's got such a great name i'm guessing like it's <laughs> maybe it's kind of like a support group for those who have finished their stint in rehab like maybe like they don't just kick you out of rehab and it's like yeah. a, a weekly session for those who have been well, in rehab well I, don't, I don't know about that because obviously later in this episode we're going to get badger and skinny pete turn up and they obviously haven't been through mm, rehab so it does feel like a like you know, Narcotics Anonymous, like Alcoholics Anonymous, like the same type of thing. So um, that's what I kind of think it is. But, yeah, I, I could be wrong about that. But, um, yeah, anyway, this is kind of like Jesse, you know, kind of talking about, um, you know, that he's working at a laundromat, he's got a new job, and um, and he kind of talks about his boss as a dick and the owner's a what, super dick or whatever he says and who everyone hates. And this is where, you know, the, the group leader kind of brings up the whole thing of, this being Kafka-esque, which is we've already talked about the meaning of that. I'm not going to try and uh, uh, re- go over that again. But yeah, you're right. Like um, Jesse's reaction to it of like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pretend I know what this means, and then like he's going to use that again later on. I do love that. It, it is really good. I love the kind of transition out of the smashed up face for Jesse too. Like we're kind of in like you know second to last makeup set now. Like he's gonna. I think the next episode it's going to be even less again, and then it's going to be gone. But I, I do really like that they've done this kind of great kind of reduction he's down to just like the kind of butterfly clip things on his face now yeah and that's kind of one of these things where it's it's easy for the continuity of things to all of a sudden just disappear it like because people are like oh well we watched it last week and we forgot whereas like obviously when you're binging it it's kind of different but mm. i'm with you too like it's kind of it's interesting that they kind of keep doing that and i think it sticks around for at least a couple of episodes doesn't it yeah i think so i mean i, I remember it's definitely the next episode I'm, I'm trying to remember episode 11 kind of what it looks like after that but uh we'll just have to try and remember when we get there but uh yeah we kind of move on we'll be back we'll be back with this guy fairly soon um but we uh, back at the hospital now and we're kind of going through these gift baskets and Ted Beneke sent a, a gift basket fantastic we're getting all the great characters coming back on this episode um, and um, obviously the important part of this episode of this particular scene is is where the doctor comes in and is kind of testing the feeling in Hank's legs and it feels like there there is there's definitely some feeling but um, not a huge amount um, and so we kind of see him testing 
testing Hank and and um, and and then that kind of follows on where there's a there's a scene outside between the, this doctor and this kind of I guess she's like is she like the medical I don't quite know what her role is, but um, I'm guessing she's like a the insurance, insurance. person or something. Eh? Yeah. yeah, she's a dick. Let's just yeah. say it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so yeah, basically the doctor saying, "Hey, look, let's we've got to be realistic here that you know he he you know potentially he could get his the feeling back in his legs and he could walk again, but it's going to take a whole lot of work and and you're not kind of covered by your insurance to to kind of get everything you need and and so Skylar's in the scene as well, obviously, um, and that's going to be important later on. But uh, you know, kind of Marie just storms out and says, "Oh, look, I'll, I'll sort this out myself. I don't need your help." Um, it's another interesting insight into the the American medical system, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, you and I have a slightly different perspective on this from from our own backgrounds in our own countries because this this does feel strange to me. Um, you know, given that if this was to happen to me, I think I would probably just get what I needed. You know, it, it would be paid for or very close to being paid for. So this is a, a very American problem. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just kind of mirrors what happens to Walt. Um, but, you know, like a, a different issue, of course, but, but a similar kind of problem. Yeah, and I, I always love kind of this stoic response you get in shows like this where it's like, get me the best, I want the best. Like, again, going back, I think we talked about this a while ago, like, how do they rank the best? Like, I mean, do they have the Doctor Olympics, basically? And it's kind of like uh, the physical therapist guy won gold in this, you know, sport. Like, it's kind of interesting. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously this is leading somewhere, which we're going to get to the end of this episode. Um, but it's... um. Yeah, like it's it's just it's still one of these fascinating things, and I know the majority of our listeners are from the states, and this is by no means us backing you guys out, but it's just it just it baffles me that you can live in a country that is seen as like the leading country in the world that has everything, the American dream, and everything along those lines. Yet every time I've travelled there, um, you know, it costs as much for me to get travel insurance to go to the US as it would if I went to like Ghana, like you know, sort of countries in the middle of Africa, which you know have no healthcare essentially. So it's kind of it's weird. And uh, sorry, Ghana would have healthcare. I'm not trying to say that African countries don't have healthcare. Um, do we, do we have any listeners in Ghana? Uh, I don't know. I hope we do. Uh, hello to all our Ghanaian listeners. Ghanaian, 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 Ghanaese. I don't know uh, what the collective term for a bunch of people from Ghana is, but hello. Um, but yeah, it's it's always, as you said, it's an interesting insight into it. And um, it's, it's yeah, that's a whole other episode, isn't it? Like the healthcare system of the US coming soon to the Oz Network. Well, I think it is. It kind of brings us back to the larger point that it is actually, um, it, it's treated really well. Like th- this could easily get political, eh? like could easily get into, oh, you know, they should have this treatment. And um, and that would turn a lot of people off. And I, I look, I never feel like if you're somebody who maybe is a, a right wing, you know, Republican or something like that in America, that that you would find this politicized. I think that that never really comes up on the show. So, um, yeah, I just think it, it's it's kind of dealt with very matter of fact that, you know, this is what people have to deal with. And it's subtle. Yeah, 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 and which and, which uh, I like. Like I like I, I've talked a lot on other shows about the preachiness of certain shows, and you know there was a couple of third watch episodes, one in particular that I can think of that to me I rated so low because it was very over the top preachy, and that that annoys me. I don't like it when when they're trying to sell a message and it's so obvious they're trying to sell a message. I think we even talked about that on Nip Tuck. We are from memory as well. Um, so, whereas like, like we don't have anybody stand up and say do better on this particular show. <laughs> No, basically okay. not. <laughs> um, but it's just, 
I don't know. It's just like it, you're right. Like it's kind of done in a way where it's not shoved down your throat so much. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but it's yeah. it's done in a way that you can still talk about it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a launching pad for some some interesting stuff in this episode and then moving forward. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. One of the things I do find interesting is they talk about like his program that he's on or you know whatever he'll get four treatment sessions a week, which is quite a lot when like I'm just like casting my mind forwards to when you see him kind of in the hoist like having that session where he's having to walk and it takes everything out of him you know like would he actually be able to do that more often than you know four times a week um and i've never been through anything like this i've I've never known anybody who has so i don't know if four times a week is a lot or not a lot but it sounds like a lot um so so yeah i don't know it's i mean to me it's a lot because i mean and this is no way the same, I understand that, but, like, I mean, say you sign up to a gym and you think to yourself, like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym every single day during the week. Um, you don't. Um, and, like, when you do, it's it's a lot harder than you think. And this would be a thousand times worse because you are literally trying to learn how to walk again. Um, and so it's a physical strain. And you can see yeah. someone like Hank, uh, again, in future episodes, who you know, is this tough guy who's basically not able to do this properly. So, um, yeah, like on, on paper, it's all well and good to say, like, oh, I want I wanted this every single day. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't even know, like, medically if that's even a thing that doctors – because, I mean, you know, physical trainers would not tell you to go to the gym every single day of the week. Even yeah. they will say, like, have a day or two of rest during the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, just, it's just interesting to think about, you know. Um, that you know, Marie's obviously got a lot on her mind, so, you know, we need to kind of cut her some slack on these things. But, yeah, it, does, it doesn't feel like four times a week is not much. But, anyway, we'll, we'll come back there. The next scene is great. I love this next scene where we've got kind of Jesse walks into this nail salon where Saul's kind of getting a manicure and a pedicure or whatever. And um, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's just it's just awesome. And, I mean, you know, if you've watched Better Call Saul, you know that the nail salon thing is quite a big part of, of that show as well. Um, so it, it's nice to kind of see it here um you know kind of this earlier iteration well a, a, a later but earlier iteration are they um, the same so sorry to interrupt but like are they the same actresses from better call oh, Saul, these look, two I, ladies I, doing I, the foot I, I, I wouldn't have a clue sorry to be honest it's um and you don't really see a lot of them in the scene you know, they don't have lines or anything like that so um i'd be surprised if it was but it, it could be um but yeah it, it, what i love about this is like you know we talked about that opening scene of kind of showing the, the you know the, the meth being smuggled and this is a great scene for people that maybe don't know a whole lot about money laundering which i'm assuming Me. is most people here yeah. i mean it's i not have no that, idea yeah, yeah, and so and so this was really interesting for me. I mean, um, this feels like money laundering for dummies. Like um, this is kind of how it works. That you know, you kind of put this money in, and it gets mixed in with you know actual taxable income, and then it all comes out the other end. And you know, I can do it all for seventeen percent. He's not going to extend the the Walt five percent deal here. So I'm still a wee bit confused, but I do kind of understand the general principle behind it, which I think it's kind of, kind of important that you kind of start to understand why these guys are so involved with all and doing this stuff and that that you know they could easily be caught up and i think is it the scene here where he says oh you know that uh, this is where they get al capone on tax stuff you know they didn't yeah. get him on on anything else they got him on the tax stuff and so i think it's a really good point and i think it's one of those things that if you if you dig too deep into the show um this would start to become a problem for you of like these guys have got to explain where all this money's coming from so mm-hmm. um, i think it's kind of important just to kind of keep a little bit of reality into the show so i, I really enjoy it i think it's and i think 
think it's kind of one of those kind of exposition scenes that's done in a really good way. And I think if you want somebody to explain a potentially boring, slightly dry subject, um, Saul Goodman's the guy you want to be able to deliver that information, right? So I think it's a really like wise choice on their part to actually get Bob Odenkirk to do this scene as well. Yeah, and I, I love everything about him in this scene. It's so good, just like him explaining it. And then I, I'm just watching here that the, when he jumps up and he runs after Jesse and you kind of see the water go everywhere, you kind of see him slip like about two or three times when he's like yelling at Jesse. Like he literally, I swear they've probably got scenes of him falling over because he's literally slipping everywhere on his feet. But I, I mean, just the dynamic between these two is really great because I even love Jesse here, like Aaron Paul, the way he's just like going on about like, I've got to pay taxes. Like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a criminal. Like I mean, yeah. like what are you, what are you talking about? And then just even when Soul like is basically, yeah, as you said, not giving him the Walt special that you know it's seventeen percent, and he's kind of like sheepishly saying that, but he's clearly not scared of Jesse, so he can kind of um, get away with it. But yeah, I'm like, I mean, I legitimately it's, money laundering is one of these things that you hear about. You know, you hear people get arrested for it. Like, what does that mean? Like, they take their money to a laundromat and get it washed. Like, I mean, what what, what does that mean? But um, it's kind of like yeah, interesting how they they do kind of. Um, explain it here so i i like how he's got like the nail polish and he's putting the things in the little screwy jar and he shakes it and all that kind of stuff um it's yeah it's it's really clever but i mean the acting is great between these two he's got his what a pink and red tie going yeah, on yeah 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 thing. and what's the clip that he's got on his um on his collar is it a pen or it's like it's some weird clip thing i don't even know what that is i'm looking at it right now and i can't even see what it is so it's probably the. It's not. It's not another uh, blue ribbon, is it? Like it's not another. Oh, one. it's gold. Like it just looks like the little metal bit on a pen that you would put oh, in the top right. of your pocket. But right. um, it might yeah. be as like might be like the like his tie pin or something that he's maybe just moved or something. I don't know, but yeah. I do, um, I do like how he's like when he he's like ah oh, you know basically like you own this uh, nail salon and, and Jesse's like what for free and he's like oh no, no no cover your ears lady cover your ears like you know not for free not for free <laughs> so good. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, kind of Jesse storms out. He's not interested in that. And you know, I think the line we get a little bit later on is, um, you know, he talks about, you know, he's, he thought that an outlaw wouldn't have to have so many responsibilities, you know. So um, it's kind of interesting, and, and it kind of just fuels his decision later on to to start going out on his own again because it's just easier for him. You know, there's less rules and restrictions. So yeah, I think it's it, a, a lot of the stuff is is. Um, it's good build up, even if it's, um, you know, like it, it's kind of just telling you stuff you need to know, but I think they find good ways to give you the information you need. Um, then we kind of move to uh, another great scene, I think, which is kind of while having this kind of conversation with Gus. And I just wanted to point out, like, as you kind of, um, you see him kind of driving and he's driving the opposite direction from all these kind of Los Polos Hermanos trucks. And apparently the, um, the, the producers only had money to put the Los Polos Hermanos stickers on one side of the truck. So you'll only ever see them drive on one side oh, which is quite interesting wow. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah yeah but uh you know this is kind of like this 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 great kind of like it's not really a showdown um it's just this kind of like walt just kind of wants to clear the air he wants to have a good working relationship with gus at this point and you know he doesn't want there to be problems um and um and yeah he kind of just goes on that you know he's figured out you know from the information he's got that you know he was the one that the cousins were actually after um, and that Gus has steered them away. So like he kind of owes Gus his life at this point is the way he kind of sees it. Um, 
you know like and it's this kind of interesting thing of like actually like this this allows gus to kind of corner the market i guess that he you know that he's the only one there that's actually able to produce this stuff north of the border now and all that kind of stuff um and like he just wants assurances that him and his family are safe and i think that that's quite interesting um you know I just think this family safety thing is now suddenly in the picture and it's the right time for it to come in, you know, like because this does become a really important part of it that this guy, you know, like he's not Scarface, like he he does actually still have a family that he cares about and wants to protect and wants to keep them away from this stuff. And, um, and, you know, so I think it's interesting. This kind of ends with, you know, like Gus basically, you know, offering him a, um, what is it, a 15 million a year, open-ended deal to keep yeah. making making meth on an ongoing basis so instead of being this kind of three million for three months we now have an you know like we have an ongoing agreement to do this thing um you know at 15 million a year so he's got a, he's got himself a pay rise and he's got you know assurances long term um and you know i guess i'll just chuck on at the end here too that you know kind of as he's coming coming home after this he's kind of i guess he's kind of feeling emboldened or whatever and he kind of does the thing where he's driving and he closes his eyes and almost like crashes into the truck and um um, I know from listening to the commentary that the producers were were, were very excited about that scene. I, I think it's fine. I don't, I don't think it's a, like amazing, but I think they thought it was a whole lot more um, brilliant than maybe I did as a viewer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, yeah, if they're trying to make it something more like are we meant to believe he's trying to kill himself or wanting to, or I, I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I, I do love the just the camera work though in kind of just this office where it's like such a big open space and you just got to kind of like this lunch table and the filing cabinets and just I just love again every week I'll say how amazing Gus is, um, but I just kind of like the way he's just calmly telling him and yeah, like when he's basically saying he'll increase his payment. What does he say? Like oh, you know, blah blah blah, twelve point something or that. Let's call it fifteen, <laughs> like fifteen million open ended, um, and just like keep me keeping him in control, um, and it's just it's. The one thing I would, like obviously give praise for this season and kind of what we're going to get without sort of spoiling it too much with the Collins and that listening is just kind of how, I mean, this just seems like such a simple prospect for Walt, doesn't it? Like it's it's pretty easy. You just, you've got a deal, you cook meth, that's it. That's all you need to do. Uh, everything else is getting handled and the stuff that's always going to happen as we often get with this show is just kind of, you know, outside factors and kind of bad mistakes that will come along the way. But just in Carlo Esposito, just the way he just sits here, like it's just he's just like a statue half the time and just so calmly like talking to him and so good and of course we've got the veggie platter on the table as well so i mean <laughs> do we want some carrots or i hope that's in i really do hope the good veggie platters in uh cooking bad or whatever it's called so um <laughs> but yeah the, i mean the stunt work's pretty cool on the uh the car thing I, I do i do like the editing of the sound how it kind of goes quiet and you've kind of got him closing his eyes and you've got that noise and then just yeah the way he kind of spins on the road and, and like puts the hazard lights on this is such a north american thing the hazard lights. Like, I'm not saying we don't do the hazard lights on this side of the world. Of course we do. But, like, I I would remember that you were just, you know, living in Canada, you'd, you'd pull over to the side of the road to do something, and probably legally you're meant to put them on, but, like, it was literally a thing. Like, if you were stopped for one second, they'd put the hazard lights on. Like, why? Like, you're just pulling over quickly to check your phone, and then you're driving off. But it was like, no, 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 hazard lights have to be on. And I'm like, okay, this is in a country where speeding is barely looked at, but you're worried about your hazard lights. Okay, that makes sense. It's really interesting because, like, hazard lights in New Zealand indicate that um, 
you know, keep keep your eyes on your eyes ahead of you because there's an accident coming up. Like, so like yeah. if you were to if you were to drive around a corner and you see an accident, like you would actually just you know you would help that person, then you would back up, call the police, and put your hazard lights on to indicate that there's an, an accident ahead, so people would be yeah. So yeah, slightly different meaning here, I think. Yeah, it's not something that we use all the time. Um, there's just a couple of kind of little things I wanted to point out on this too that I, I don't think we've actually kind of had time to to maybe point out before. And one of them is the actual location of um, of, of where this means so we've obviously been to this location a couple of times which is kind of like the um i guess like the the los polis hermanos kind of um factory if you want to call it that i don't know if it's a factory distribution or center distribution center that's a better word yeah um so this is a like a, an actual old egg factory apparently um is is what this actually is so it is kind of like it's it's not quite not quite a fried chicken joint you know like um distribution center but it is actually in the same kind of business which i think is really really interesting um and the other thing is actually um, I don't think we've ever actually pointed out Gus's car. So it's kind of like this really unassuming kind of Volvo station wagon, you know? Um, and I think that's really kind of in keeping with, you know, kind of the comments that he made in the last episode where he's kind of talking to Walt about, you know, that um, I hide in plain sight because, you know, like this could be somebody who's a drug lord that's got lots of, you know, like fancy cars and all that kind of stuff, but he's not, you know, like he is this kind of very kind of working men's car that does the job. And I just think that's an interesting touch, you know. Um, that, Basically, you know, when really you say bloody to- Volvo drivers, you literally are saying that they are bloody because they murder people and they're just kind of very <laughs> evil. That's essentially what we're saying. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Uh, I mean, look, I've I've never driven a Volvo. I can't even say I've ever been in a Volvo. I don't know, but um, yeah, I it's it's interesting you point that out with that car because um, it sort of becomes a bit prominent later on. But um, is this we I think we've already had the episode where we first get uh, the shot of this factory and you got that shot of all the chickens just like in their yeah. little you know thing. So um, yeah, I'm still fascinated about the stickers on those trucks though. Like, I mean, just kind of on one side. Like, how bad is the budget on this show? We're going to talk a lot about the budget next week. Um, well, I so think I mean- that, yeah, I mean, it is definitely a conversation that we'll have more next episode. But I think kind of like it's easy to think now with all the information we've got that, you know, this is a really popular show and, um, you know, like they had all the money in the world. But, you know, like at the time of filming season three, you know, season two was still a – you know, like it was it was critically acclaimed and it certainly had a following, but it was still pretty much like a cult show at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like there wasn't maybe the massive budget that people think of. And actually, we're still a little bit before the massive budget for TV show era. Um, you know, like I kind of think like I was thinking today of like season three of Game of Thrones, like they had as big a budget as season one or two or four or, you know, like it, it kind of had the money right from the, from the get go. Um, whereas I think, traditionally shows kind of had to prove themselves and and as they became popular they got more money right um so i think probably this is still in that phase where it kind of had to prove itself before it was going to get greenlit with lots and lots of money um yeah so so yeah we but we definitely are going to as you say we're going to talk about money issues in the next episode for sure but it's, it's it's not always a bad thing though. Like I mean, yeah, okay, it's nice to have a bit of extra money to be a bit flashier and have a couple of extra explosions there. But I mean, if you're building your show on a small budget already and people love it, and you don't need to rely on whack, you know, whack bang explosions that sort of stuff. I mean, in all seriousness, jokes aside about stickers on trucks, like 
why do you need to spend extra money on stickers on the other side of the truck if you only ever need to see one side of the truck? Like it's it's not necessarily a budgetary thing. I think that's just the magic of television, you know, because I mean, well, yeah. you just and see I'm, a simple scene of one side of a truck. Why do we need to see the other side? And, you know, like it's pretty easy to actually just kind of, you know, like flip a shot as well. You know, like if you're careful about it, you yeah. can still do that as long as- Diamonds are forever nothing. famously with the car. They, they got it around the wrong way when they did it. So they had to flip the reverse the slides to make it look, you know, continuity wise. Like, you know, there's all that trickery that they do in these sort of things when they realize something's fucked up. I mean, having said that, George Lucas still allowed a stormtrooper his head on the uh, Death Star, but hey, he made that into a joke many years later. So there you go. <laughs> 1998 Volvo V70. Um, oh, yeah. Just Not by well. the way, so yeah, but yeah, I think it's uh, it, it just kind of feels like it really fits the the Gus character was probably the point I was making, but um, yeah, I think really good scene. Love to see these two kind of facing off and um and and kind of you know like Walt certainly sees himself as an equal and uh, Gus doesn't, but I think probably um. I think they, at the moment, they have a, a fair amount of at least intellectual respect for each other. And so I think that that's, it's, it's kind of fun to kind of watch them play off against each other, I think. Yeah, and I always kind of like it when these two are like, you know, particularly in this early part of their relationship, how they kind of work off each other. Because, I mean, you know, it's obviously going to change over time. But, I mean, there's a great, um, it's not this episode, is it? I think it's episode 11 where he goes around to his house for dinner. Yeah, that's um, the episode 11, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, again, just like, gosh, just like, this is just such a, a like a, Oh, like he's so just – Colin, you're watching. Other people are watching along and probably going like, why is this guy evil? He's not evil. He's just a nice guy. But like, oh, just the stuff we get with this guy is, mm. is amazing. So, And just knowing that, it's just – yeah, it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So our next scene, we're back at the uh, the Narcotics Anonymous um, with evil Steve Jobs. Um, and um, we get this kind of really great little monologue from Jesse um, talking about making this box. And um, it may not seem all that important at the time, but um, we're going to kind of get a, a a scene in a future season, future episode where the wooden box is going to be referred to again. We're going to see it again. So just kind of keep this in mind, really. It doesn't seem major now, and it's actually not that major, but it just kind of it, it just kind of foreshadows something we're going to get later on. And he talks about, you know, he, when he when he worked at, in, in shop class at school and he was making this perfect wooden box and, you know, it was something he wasn't going to give up on, um, you know, because they're talking about, you know, that, he, you know, what's he ever given up on and um, that he made, you know, several iterations of this box and he wanted to get it perfect and he sanded it till it was like glass smooth and, you know, and used oil to, you know, like really kind of lovingly detailing how he kind of made this box for his mother, I think, right? And um, and he was going to give it to his mother, but then he admits that he actually sold it for an ounce of weed. So it's kind of just like quite a sad little story, really, but it kind of encapsulates everything about Jesse, I think, in this one little scene. Yeah, and it always goes into that sort of, you've always said about feeling sympathetic for this kid. And actually, it took me back to high school because, um, you know, we it was called MDT for us, Materials Design and Technology. And, like, that was a class where sort of, you know, all the, I don't want to say dumb kids, all the all the, the troublemakers, the hooligans would, like, you know, excel in, right? And clearly why? Because, like, you know, this is a chance to be creativity. But it's kind of, it's interesting because, like, I can sound judgmental and say that about those type of people, but I've not been in their shoes. So, you know, it's interesting to kind of see that, like, yeah, you might judge a, a person like Jesse who, you know, you see is a pothead and a, a nothing and does this and does that. But, like, clearly something like that can mean something to him that that's, you know, where it is. And you would never picture Jesse as, like, the creative type and kind of, you know, he's kind of got that about him. So, yeah, you're right. Like, it's a really interesting scene. It's a, it's a great sort of insight into a type of person like this. And then it obviously, you know, bookends to the fact that, yeah, he basically gets rid of it for for an ounce of weed or something along those lines. So, um, yeah, but can I just say that our douche nozzle jur here, 
Again, great actor jerks. He really makes us believe he's a, he's a douche nozzle, but he's kind of got this like smarmy look on his face when he's staring at Jesse. And Jesus Christ, his glasses are like, just get better glasses, mate. Like, just, <laughs> they're just shit. They just make you look like a wanker. Uh, <laughs> just, I mean, you already do look like a wanker, but sure, if you want to come on the show, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's going to love that offer, that offer now. Um, but it, but it, it goes to show how good of an actor he is. Yeah, that he's like, yeah. I'm sure he's a super nice guy in real life, but like he, he's making us believe that he's an absolute toss bag. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so you're yeah, well cast and, you know, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a bit part, but he kind of makes it work um, really, really well. So yeah, absolutely the right person for this. You just hate him. He's kind of smarmy and annoying. And um, his name want- is Jer in real life. Like, <laughs> Probably, seriously, probably is Jerry, but again, it's all fancy, right? Like just- he must be, he must be German or something. I don't know. Um, well, yeah. that explains it. He's German. There you go. He's, he's the German. <laughs> he's so he's German. I don't know. Oh, anyway. Nick! Wow, I'm <sighs> the one with think- the bad jokes in this episode. Come on. I think we need to move on, although I'm not sure I want to move on to the next scene because... No, um, nothing happens in the next scene. No. Skip. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, we've got Skylar and, and Maria back home and they're kind of talking about the whole you know, pain for finding money for, for Hank's treatment and, and who should stop by but Ted. Um, and, you know, like, I think Marie figures something's up anyway and so she's like, oh, I'm going to go for a bath and I'll leave you guys to talk. And, um, you know, Ted wants to have a kind of deep meaningful at this point in time and God knows why he's kind of chosen this time and kind of... Skyler goes off on him. I'm like, yes, about time, really. Slap him. Um, Slap him yeah. in the face. <laughs> and, and, and poor old Ted, he's a bit confused about what's going on because he's saying, oh, well, we're both divorced now. So so what does it matter? We can kind of do whatever we want. We don't need to be secretive about it. And, um, yeah, she kind of just, just shouts him down and says, now's not the time. And then he kind of like sheepishly with his tail between his legs says, you can have as much time as you need and and kind of leaves. It's, um, yeah, I I can't say I feel too sorry for him, but at the same time, it's it's, it's a little bit sad. He looked a bit confused, the the poor wee thing. Which, like, I mean, okay, like, like this is not me defending this storyline. I hate this storyline. It's stupid. It's dumb. I hate Ted. Go away. Hurry up and and just just go away. But like, if I have to take myself out from the emotions of this situation, like, and put myself in Ted's shoes, like, yeah, I can kind of understand. Like, you've started hooking up with this chick, and then all of a sudden, she kind of ghosts you and then kind of you just want some explanations and she's not giving it to you so it's kind of like okay i'd be confused too uh so i hate that i'm siding here slightly with ted um to like understand it from his perspective but um jesus i can't believe i wasted those words out of my mouth um but god just the man who just doesn't go away like just why why does he have to be made such a thing in this show and this isn't the last we see of him he's still going to come back and have more stuff to do although there's some great stuff with him still to come (laughs) very great stuff (laughs) it it feels to me like it all pays off in the end it's kind of annoying but it does all pay off in the end um yeah so anyway, it's it kind of just feels like it almost feels like it's there just to be like, don't forget Ted's still on the show. Like, um, <laughs> like we haven't resolved the storyline. And and to be fair, like, <sighs> you know, like how many TV shows have you watched where they just suddenly just forget somebody yeah, was there? True. Like, like I've recently been re-watching Friends and I was kind of like halfway through, I was like, what happened to the chick and the duck? They just disappear. Um and it's I think like they, they make references it to it by the end though, don't yeah, they? they yeah, of, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like they just completely just disappear out of nowhere and it's 
it's like you know like just dropping st- a storyline that's been that, going for several seasons you know what's really, really funny there was you were talking about something before and i, I was going to bring something up i completely forgot but i've just remembered it now when you were talking about the facial acting and kind of how important it is it just reminds me of joey sniff the fart acting that's all it reminds me of <laughs> like when you were talking about that just you know like and if i have to have a really intense scene i just divide 20 million by 726,000, and i try <laughs> to remember it and it's like the sniff the fart acting method though is the best one and like i remember matt leblanc was on like graham norton or something like that and he's like that's a legitimate method he's like i actually use that in real life <laughs> <laughs> right well anyway i'm not quite sure to go with that after that but, uh, we, we, but friends kind of... recaps coming soon to the oz network <laughs> no, no. As much come on as nick make, come on as much as you try to make it a thing it's not happening come on do it, no, Nick. never, never, <laughs> never. We'll we'll be here for like ten years doing that. Um, but anyway, it's going to happen. I'm going to wean you into it. Don't worry. <laughs> I can see how it's going to start. It'll be like, why don't we just do like a season recap? And we'll just yeah, we'll just do like 10, 10 episodes. And it's like, no, we really need to do like you know one per like. Yeah, I really like, think yeah, you underestimate like- the fact that, like, you know, yeah, okay, these episodes are going to go for an hour. But we've got 42 minutes of content to get through. These are 21-minute sitcoms with hardly anything to talk about. <laughs> We're literally going to go, okay, so this episode, they're all waiting to go to Ross's benefit and Joey and Chandler are fighting over sitting on a chair. Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes. Rachel puts on her pyjamas. They have a fight and then they all end up going. The end. All right, so what are the funny bits in this episode? <laughs> It'll just be us like quotes. Like, we exactly. will have to Could leave, I be like, wearing any more clothes? <laughs> yeah. It'd be okay if I wasn't going commando. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I need to captain the ship and get it back on track. So, uh, we've got to kind of move move on and we're going to move to the scene in the diner, um, which is Jesse and uh, Badger and Skinny Peter here, which is great to see them back. Um, and um, Jesse's kind of complaining. He's, you know, he's not, not, uh, not really happy in the situation he's in and he wants to get back to, to selling himself again. Um, and he says he's got this all new market to sell to. Um, and yeah, and then we kind of just get this little scene at the end, obviously, which is back in the lab and it's kind of Jesse, you know, reading a slightly lower amount. So we, we you know, basically we're just setting up that he's skimming, skimming some off the top and he's going to start selling some of the product himself. Yeah, I mean, this is the one, like I can understand why Jesse does this. Um given what we got at the beginning of the episode. But, like, I've generally been team defender of Jesse, uh, but this is maybe the one storyline where I'm just kind of like, eh, like, you know, like, obviously I get what it's going to lead to, but it's at the same time it's just kind of, this is maybe I think the only storyline where I'm just not going to probably defend Jesse. Like, it's just kind of, it's a bit silly. Like, um, but, I mean, so we're going to get introduced to a character soon who's not one of my favourites. But um, I will say that, it does lead us to a great conversation with Badger and Skinny Pete about the Death Star. Like, you know, Darth Vader was in charge of the Death Star. Two of them bitches. <laughs> like, it's kind of like the, the references there to that. So, um, yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, as, as Captain Hashtag Jesse on this show, this is maybe the one storyline where I'm just kind of like, eh. It's just dumb and it's just, it's, um, it, um, self-destructive you know which is kind of jesse's biggest problem right is that like he he's got a good thing going here like he's just got to keep doing it and just smile and nod with with walt and just you know they're 50 50 partners and at this point he doesn't realize that he's now just about to make eight and a half million um per year um i don't know if the 
you know that's that information's gone to him yet but we can assume no um and and but that's not jesse's nature right jesse feels like he's getting ripped off um he feels like it's kind of like the people at work that kind of like oh well you know the boss is ripping me off and not paying as much as i'm worth so i'm gonna leave early or i'm gonna you know steal a box of pens or you know whatever it is you know what i do in my job (laughs) so yeah i think i think I think it's just that kind of thing, and I think you don't you don't really think anything of it of being like oh, I'm just going to do some personal photocopying at work, but you know, like when we're talking about meth, it's a slightly different topic altogether. It, yeah, I mean, it fits with the character, but I think kind of with a lot of his self destructive stuff in the past, like I, I feel you can kind of almost understand it more. This one, it's like I don't know because like at the end of the day, what's he achieve? Like this, I feel this storyline kind of goes nowhere, but it doesn't. Um, but it's not like he's out there making millions of dollars on his own. He's only making a side amount of money on the, the bid, isn't he? So it's kind of, yeah, as I said, like probably the the one Jesse storyline that fits in his character that even I just struggle to kind of get on board with. Um, I mean, I do love the the group session we're about to get. I do love kind of Skinny Pete and Badger kind of play acting on it. It's kind of funny. But, um, yeah, I, I just want to note before I forget that Douche Nozzle Jer here Drinks Fiji water. That says enough about him right then and there. Like, just... just <laughs> Is that a thing? It's. I mean, it's like in the square bottle, it's cool. But, I mean, like, I mean, it's like it's it's fashionable bottled water. Like, what, like, of all the things to be fashionable, do you need bottled water to be fashionable? I remember that was like a thing in the 2000s, like when all the celebrities were seen drinking Fiji water. So, it's like, oh, got to drink Fiji water. Like, I mean, I've been to Fiji to the, the airport uh, and I probably drank water from there, but it wasn't any different than any water I've drank anywhere else. So, you know, good branding there. People are making money off the poor country of Fiji. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Come on, Nick, go and buy yourself some <laughs> Fiji bottled water. You're closer to Fiji than I am. You know? <laughs> right. Well, we kind of move on anyway. We've, uh, we're, we're back at Narcotics Anonymous, and I do love this little scene, and it's kind of like Jesse talking about um, well, no, sorry, it's not Jesse at all. It's um, it's Badger. Badger talking about, got, these, got these new. They've got new people at the group, and and Badger's kind of talking about. Oh, you know, he's he was doing well, but you know, it's that, that blue meth. He's, it's so great, and you know, like basically these two guys are going to be, you know, they're going to kind of um, be salespeople for it. But I just love this thing where he's kind of like he's talking about it, and then you kind of get this um, um, this kind of like shot you see skinny pete in the background and he's out of focus and then it's just like he like kind of zooms into focus and starts going oh it's back the blue stuff's back and he's like oh sorry i forgot to put my hand up like it's it's so good i just i just i love it it's just so so funny um, i love when he's but, like sorry when he goes um uh like stay strong brother yeah <laughs> yeah it's really funny it's a it's just a great little scene this is just obviously just setting up that this is the new market that jesse's talking about that he's going to start selling to these people that are going to narcotics anonymous which is pretty horrible the other thing i just want to point out is like uh at my work you know like we're i work in an office and you know sometimes you, it can be a bit boring and you've got to find things to pass the time and so we've got this thing where we've got like you know if people turn up and they're kind of dressed similarly we kind of have to make them take a photo like standing together and put it on the wall you know like and we've got this big wall of people who are all wearing like similar clothes so like um our our group leader here the the woman sitting next to him in this particular scene is like wearing the exact same clothes as him like brown shirt and like blue pet like jean blue jeans basically she's right next (laughs) she's sitting right next to him and they're wearing like basically the identical clothes it's so funny 
That's um, that's good. Do you ever have you ever got caught out wearing the same clothes? Nah, uh, never. No, no, no. So so far, I've been I've managed to get away with that one. That's good then. Um, I also love. I hope anyone from your job ever listens that you get bored at work. So I hope they, you know, like a like, <laughs> not our beloved well, Nick Chester. He would never get bored. He loves working there. <laughs> I mean, work works great. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, like. Work, working in an office is, is only so exciting. It's, it's not like uh, cooking meth in, a, in an underground lab, you know, like um, the, I'm sure that's far more exciting. It's probably what you sneakily do just on the side. You just go into the basement there and that's what you really, yeah, I work in an office. Yeah, sure you do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. Yes, yes. Uh, and so like we kind of finish off this this um, episode with, with a reasonably big, um, scene here, and it, it's a really good one actually. And it's um, it's kind of basically you know finding out how much this money is going to cost to to kind of get Hank, you know, get him the treatment he needs. And um, Skylar kind of makes up this incredible lie that Walt has all this money, and it kind of starts off great because she kind of says, "Oh, it's time to tell Marie about your money," and he he doesn't know he doesn't know what she's about to say, and so he's kind of freaking out a little bit. And then she kind of talks about you know he won all this money gambling, um, and you know like she makes everything that's kind of happened in the last you know year or however long it's been in the in, in the time frame of the show kind of makes sense you know that he kind of when he had that fugue state it was because he used all their life savings to kind of gamble away his money but he won it back and now they've got enough money that they you know can use that money to support hank and um it, it's really really great and we talked about kind of the those reaction shots and you know brian cranston here like walt's reactions to like you know somebody outperforming him as a liar he's like he's, he's amazed really like i think he kind of looks at skylar with kind of like admiration more than anything like that somebody's actually been able to come up with like this amazingly convincing lie um and it just it's really really good like this whole thing is just it's so well delivered anna gunn's just amazing here and it's good to see who get an opportunity to kind of just really um put on a great performance here and and uh, obviously it ends with kind of marie leaving and, and skylar saying that you know she doesn't know for sure but she knows that somehow Walt caused what happened to Hank and, and that's kind of where the episode ends so I think it's a it's a really fun it's a quite a long scene and extended Very scene long. but um, it, it, it's just it's yeah it's, it's brilliant to watch and yeah I think for me it's yeah like I, I absolutely love Anna Gunn on this but yeah Brian Cranston and his, his reactions as Walt I think a really really good and just match the scene so well it goes for like about 10 minutes, I feel this scene does. And I'd be intrigued to see like, I mean, I doubt very much it was all one take. Like I'm sure they did multiple takes, but um, it just feels very natural. But you talk about like the reactions, like watching Betsy Brandt as well, just kind of like her confusion and the way she looked. And I love the like, way she reacts to like, what were you thinking? All this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I love that line or whatever when they're like trying to find out how much money he's got. And even Skylar doesn't know. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, it's in the seven figures. And they sort of look at it and he's like, what can I say? I did quite well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like it's kind of – it sort of almost comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Because, like, you know, it sort of like it clicks into gear. And then, you know, Walt's here reaction of thinking that, like, she's about to tell the truth. Um, and then, like it, – but it's it's kind of a, a cleverish front in some way uh, to kind of do this, that this is gambling. But I mean, look, I, I'm with you. I think it's a great scene. It's, you know, it's informed and everything, but I mean, my biggest problem is it's just so long. Like I just feel it's so dragged out. Like I, like it's as good as it is. Like I'm literally going like, God, how long are they still talking? Like, again, it's like a quarter of the episode is basically this scene. It is very, very long. Yeah. And I, it's probably one of those things where, you know, maybe a, a bit more of a kind of, um, 
you know harsh edit might have might have helped here. I mean, I don't, I don't mind it so much because I enjoy the performances so much that it doesn't really bother me so much. But yeah, I, I do I do appreciate that it is quite a long scene. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's one of those things we probably. Anna Gunn has probably been a little while since she's really had an opportunity to kind of really stretch out and do some acting here. So, like, I, I just appreciate it because it feels like it's been a, been a moment since we've seen it. So, yeah, I, I don't really have any problems with the length, but I can certainly appreciate how how others might. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Just saying. <laughs> so that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, 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 it's yeah, maybe not kind of like the high paced episode that we were looking for, but um, I kind of feel like I know where you're heading. So I'm 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 going to let you go and see if I'm right. Yeah, it's a rent. I mean, again, <laughs> like it's it's not it's not so terrible that I want to like. I, I love the opening. <laughs> I love the you know the chicken ad and kind of the, the little montage we've got of it, and you know the acting's really good in this episode. Um, you know, I yeah, there's there's other stuff around it which I sort of enjoy, like the Gus and Walt scenes, really really good. Uh, I love the like the little um, the Hank moment with the asshole. Um, like again, it's it's not one that I would say is a terrible episode enough to bin, but it's a it's a lowish mid to lowish rent for me. So um, yeah, I mean, I to put that into perspective, I've ranked this uh, currently at twenty uh, eighth out of twenty nine. No, yes, I have second worst. I have so um, yeah, I've got this just above IFT. So, but below over, because at least I feel with over, you remember that as being a bad episode and you've got the great ending of that episode. Whereas this one, there's nothing that like, I feel I would not remember this episode in a season's time. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I was expecting that you would rent it because it's funny, like after the last couple of episodes, I've kind of been thinking like, because like we've been having like a good conversation about these episodes and generally agreeing. And then at the end, I'm like. It's a, definitely a buy from me, and then you're going. It's definitely a rent for you. I'm like, <laughs> am I just like letting things go because I love the show so much? So I've been Maybe. like thinking a lot about this, and, and and this episode feels like a really good time to kind of have that conversation in my own head about, you know, what what do I think about this? And um, you know, I'm always trying to like really fairly kind of rate them. I don't, I don't think I'm letting things go just because it's Breaking Bad. Um, you know, I I do think that I am really making sure that there are things that I like about this and you know like I don't have a lot of rents but then I think that this is such a great show that I'm just like I'm I guess probably I've got kind of a criteria which is like I, I weigh it up on two things and it's like is it enjoyable like did I enjoy watching this episode and is it informative did it kind of move the story forwards and if it's yes to both of them then it's a buy straight off if it's no to both it's a bin for sure and if it's one or the other then that's where I'm kind of having a conversation about is that just a rent if it's one or the other you know is there enough of 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 one to make it a buy and that's kind of where I'm having those conversations and this one definitely kind of moves the plot forward so it comes down to me about did I find it enjoyable you know and and that's kind of what I'm doing every time we're having one of these ones that I think yeah I liked it but it wasn't absolutely amazing and so like I'm having this really tough conversation with myself to make sure that I'm getting it right. And in the back of my head, I've got this episode that I feel like I probably should have rented and I bought, which was season two, episode four down, which I went into that conversation thinking I'm going to rent this. And you and I had a conversation and that convinced me to buy it. And then, and so like that's now become 
my watermark like if it's better if i think it's better than down i have to buy it and if it's not as good i have to rent it and i like this episode more than down so i'm buying it Um, but i'm only just buying it so it's you know like it's sitting there like just above down so it's kind of like what does that make it um 29 28 27 26 25 so it's right it is right down the bottom but there is stuff to love and i think you've kind of pointed it out i think that opening's really great i think that the closing's really good um i like the kind of jesse monologue in the middle there um i like the confrontation between walt and 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 gus it's not a confrontation but you know good kind of conversation there there's some things i don't love you know like i I didn't really need the ted stuff but i do see why they had it in the episode so um it's a it's a good episode it's not one that i'm going to immediately it's not going to be a go-to episode but there's enough in it for it to be a buy for me but it is a lower buy you know the interesting thing i'm just seeing here with me having rented last week and now this week um, this is now the first time that either of us have uh, done two consecutive rents. Uh, they've all just usually <laughs> a rent is followed by a buy. Um, so yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm just looking here on the uh, Ringer. They have this at 48 out of 62. So they've got this one spot lower than last week as well on ICU. So um, very very interesting. And I think it's a an, an eight point five on on IMDb. So um, by Breaking Bad standards, that's low. Um, mm. But you know, like eight point five for a TV episode is still really good. You know, like that's the thing we kind of forget. Like you know, medium to to decent episode of almost any other show is going to be like an eight. You know, seven and a half, eight. Um, and Breaking Bad, like this is a this is a good episode, but it's not a, an amazing episode, um, and it's still an eight point five. So if we got an eight point one, I'd be thrilled on the Oz Network. I don't think we've even got a, like a one point eight. So I mean, you know, kind of reverse those. <laughs> one, one little trivia, random thing here. I, I love the in-depth nature of Breaking Bad wiki. Uh, it's got here. This is not the first Brian Cranston series to feature the word Kafkaes. In Malcolm in the Middle, Krell Boyne picnic episode, Reese picks up on Reese picks on a young nerd named a Razorhead, only to find him menaced by his targets, identically dressed and much older brother. To which a Razorhead says, "Kafkaesque, isn't it?" Um, so, wow, the the writers of this episode uh, clearly love their Brian Cranston um, cinematic universe. Clearly, and they they know that. Or it's just one of these random ones where somebody's just rewatching Breaking uh, Malcolm Middle. Hey, Brian Cranston episode, Kafkaesque. We know everything. So, very interesting. I like the one that's underneath that, which is in reality, Gus would gross 104 million in three months. <laughs> Jesse forgot to take into account that there are 13 weeks in three months, and did his calculations for only 12 God, weeks. Jesse. <laughs> well, maybe isn't that the point? Because Jesse's not exactly like. And I, what does he say? He was like, and I swear to God, I checked this out, yo. <laughs> like, yeah. So maybe that's the point. So, yeah, I think it's a. Um, it's a good conversation and I think talking about rents and buys is, is something that's going to flow naturally into next week. So next oh. week we are, we're diving into the most, uh, I don't want to say controversial because <laughs> I don't think controversial is the right word. I think divisive is the right word. Um, the most divisive episode of Breaking Bad. Um, this is the lowest rated episode on IMDb, but I think um, if you, if you to even do a cursory kind of glance on the internet about this episode, there will be like, hardcore defenders of this episode um so i think that there is um there is a lot to unpack on this episode 
maybe not about the episode itself, which is yeah. what makes it a really interesting one to talk through. It's um, it, it is a one of a kind. Um, we're never going to get an episode like this again. It really is. Um, the, yeah, it, it is just a very unique episode to discuss. So it, it's going to be interesting. There are more articles and videos on this episode, I think, than the entire series. I've watched a bunch of them, and the general ones I find is in defense of Fly. Um, Yeah, this is, I mean, Wikipedia says, arguably the most polarizing episode in Breaking Bad history. I don't think it's Um, arguably. I I, I can't think of another one. I, I think maybe, like, I think probably with any TV show, I think there is probably some disagreement about the way the show ends, you know, like when you get to the series finale. But I think, I don't think there's nearly the amount of disagreement as there is about this one. This is one of those ones where you, I think, maybe it is a you love it or hate it episode. I think um, it is. I think it's purely a love or hate um, because, yeah, like, you all, everyone knows this episode. It's just that one episode and yeah. kind of, as we've talked about before, Breaking Bad's sort of unique anomaly that, like, the show just gets better and better and better and better as it goes along. It sort of doesn't start off brilliant and then kind of wanes. Like, it's kind of, it's the complete opposite. And this is just such a, yeah, like, you, you've talked constantly about this is a show where you can't really skip an episode. I, I, you can skip fly. I'm sorry. Like I, I know there's context and meaning and we will talk about that. I understand that, but like you can skip fly without any consequences. Um, so that's my thing with it. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're about to talk about it. Um, because I, I, I have no clue how you feel about fly. You know, I, I don't know if this is going to be like a sour pear and you're going to be like me and just yelling the whole episode, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I've, I've been uh, deliberately vague because I kind of want to keep it fresh and, and see where it goes. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I've got a lot to say and I've like, like you, I think I've done a lot of, a lot of kind of digging and a lot of thinking and a lot of um, reflecting and um, because it's obviously not just about the episode. It's about who directs the episode. Um, Yes. You know, like I think there is just, there is so much to kind of talk about with this one. And like I say, a lot of it's actually not about the episode itself. So um, yeah, I mean, we'll get there. And yeah, like you say, I'm, I'm, I can't believe we're actually there. Like it feels like I've been thinking about this episode for such a long time and and preparing to talk about it and now we're actually there. It's quite weird. I might um I might take the week off and watch The Fly with Jeff Goldblum <laughs> in it. So just um maybe. I don't know. Well, I think until we get there, we can probably wrap up on uh, on um, Kafka-esque for now anyway. But uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you've got any feedback for us, make sure you fire that through and follow us on all the usual social media channels. Um, make sure if you if you like what you hear in here, then you might like a bit of 24 too, if that's your thing. And um, maybe even a Lost um, and, and, some, and some movie coverage here and there as well. So uh, make sure you're, you're digging into that. If you really can't get enough of us, we're also on Patreon. So um, if, if you just need more Oz Network in your life, I don't know what's wrong with you, but um, <laughs> we, we, but we, we have a remedy for that and it's, it's through Patreon. So um, feel free to do that. But uh, un- until next week, when we come back with the fly, well, not the fly, with fly. Oh, um, I'm excited. Jeff <laughs> Goldblum month, finally. <laughs> yeah. Well, until then, um, my name is Nick and uh, take off your shoes, lay back, exfoliate. And my name is Ben and I'm a criminal, yo. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. 
And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.